You have the American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. This five-star review is recommended by Oliver Danner, the owner of HempAccess.com. Small Business Celebration is a great podcast. I highly recommend listening to all the episodes as Michael Roberts speaks to many local business owners in Bakersfield. You'll learn a lot about businesses and the great stories that you can use in everyday life. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visioneer, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why after several thousand downloads in just over a year, small business owners, CEOs, CFOs, partners, and general managers download the Small Business Celebration podcast in record numbers on a weekly basis. We want to thank the tremendous content that our visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast our sponsors, and you, Visioner Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Our guest today is Les Mood, the co-founder, CFO, COO of the Energy and Independence Group. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast, Les. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having us. And what is the Energy Independence Group and what do you do with them? So Energy Independence Group, we specialize in solar power, but mm. we're an engineering company, so we can engineer anything related to energy. That's our focus. Mm. We can build anything except for nuclear plants. We're not interested in <laughs> nuclear plants. We don't really think they're necessary anymore when you have the right technology. Uh-huh. And so we focus on independence for our customers, whether it's a business owner or a homeowner. Energy independence is key to financial freedom and safety for your home and your business. Why is that? Well, if you don't have solar power or you don't have energy storage, then you have high bills. Mm-hmm. And if there are power outages, you really have no way to deal with it other than just dealing with it. So when you go solar and when you have energy storage or we have the right technology combinations and you can survive any situation, including what we're in right now. <laughs> and for those of us who don't know, what is energy and what is energy storage? Energy is all around us. Everything is energy. And our parent company called Capture Energy, the reason for that name is because all energy is essentially captured. And Energy Independence Group is really our mission. But when you have energy all around us, the sun energy, or you have oil around us too, which is great here in Kern County, you have to capture it, you have to store it, you have to use it, you have to take advantage of it. So when it comes to electricity, you can capture the sun's energy. And as Einstein pointed out, there's enough to power the whole world for just 
minutes if we collect it all. So that's what we're doing. We're collecting that sun energy. And then if you have a total solution, you want to have a microgrid on your property, then you're going to want to store that power. Mm. And storing that power can be in the form of batteries. It can be in the form of, say, a fuel cell. You could even store it in the form of compressed air. Hmm. But storing power is necessary to deal with the intermittency of energy production. So the sun only goes up during the day. What do you do at night? You've got to store that power. Many of our listeners probably know the concept of energy storage for batteries. Mm -hmm. Many also probably understand fuel cell, but many may not understand air. How does that work? A long time ago, not too long ago, America used a lot of compressed air in its workshops in buildings. Air was compressed with a motor and a tank and later used for pneumatic tools, or you could actually use it for energy production. So if you use that compressed air and you run it through, say, a, a turbine, you can actually produce electricity from it. Hmm. That's not common these days. There are old systems still running that are like that, that are tried and tested. But the majority of energy storage is done in the form of electricity. But you can store power or energy in a lot of forms, including heat or compressed air or electricity. So whatever is the best suited storage for your environment is better. So for instance, in Costa Rica, you may have heat that's stored in geothermal energy in the ground. Mm -hmm. Or if you're in California and you have access to solar panels, maybe you store it in a battery. The compressed air used to be a lot more common, not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. It could be more and more common. Any, any form of energy storage is useful. It's just what's the best use of energy for you. So some of our clients have compressed air on their property. They're sandblasting companies or they're painting companies. So we encourage them to store that energy in the form of compressed air so that when the utility rates are high or low, they're taking advantage of that and storing the energy at low cost using it when it would otherwise be at a high cost. And as far as a business owner who has, there's a variety of different businesses out there that require different varying levels of electrical usage. For those that have an office environment, it seems very straightforward and logical. Solar panels on the roof is usually enough to take care of the job. But when you have a farm or you have an industrial complex or you have something that has a lot of machinery that requires a lot of heavy use of electricity, how does Energy Independence Group help customers like that who have huge electrical needs both day and night? There has been a huge need in an underserved market for farmers and cold storages, heavy industrial users, oil companies really use so much power at any given moment that the demand, as it's called, may or may not be able to be met by, say, solar panels or wind due to the intermittency of it. Mm -hmm. So the majority of farmers and cold storages and whatnot are tied to the grid because a grid is a reliable source of power for that demand. So what people in the industrial market understand for electricity is there's two forms of cost of energy. There's how much you use and how quickly you use it. Mm. The more you use in a 15-minute interval, the more kilowatt hours that you use, the more you get charged separately from those kilowatt hours. So a lot of our farmers are dealing with really high demand cost and really high pumping cost, for instance, they may only turn their pumps on for, say, an hour once a week. But that hour is costing them a lot of money. And that's where they would use energy storage to help with that surge in power that they need, correct? Exactly. So that's where energy storage comes in. There are great incentives now available since the power outage started happening mm -hmm. here in California that allow you to 
take advantage of those rebates and store power whether the grid is on or not. So if, say, the grid is on, then you're going to want to store that power and use it to avoid demand charges. Mm. If the grid is down, you're going to want to keep your farm running. Right, exactly. As far as sun capture and turning it into electricity, there are several different styles or ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. And there are at least two different types of solar panels out there. Explain what the differences are and why somebody should take a look at what works best for them. Sure. So solar panels used to be more of the conversation with regard to energy. Mm -hmm. And it was because that was really the most exciting thing at the time, the efficiency of the panel, how many watts you can get out per square foot. And there are multiple types of panels. There's a polysilicon, monocrystalline, and thin film are the majority of the types of panels. And then there are heterojunction technology and HIT. There's a lot of different types of solar panels out there. But the way we're viewing it now is that the reliability of almost all solar panels is already there. Mm -hmm. And the technology has been proven. It's been around over 50 years. So our focus is not so much the type of technology of the panel. We and many other solar contractors use really high quality equipment that's reliable. But for us, solar is kind of a commodity on the panel side now. It's more about what you do with the power and mm. how you use it and when you use it, how you manage that energy, what if you store that energy, how you maximize the energy production through management is what we're focused on now. But there are really great, reliable, tried and true and tested solar panels out there. Pretty much all of them will work for you. What the key is, is to have a good manufacturer that has a great warranty and good customer service. So that's what we focus on. One of the things that has recently come up that I personally find interesting, and this is the science geek nerd of me popping mm -hmm. out in this, are solar panels that are windows. You can mm -hmm. actually see through that. Now, a lot of other solar panels have an efficiency rate of 23, 24, 25% right. or so. What is the difference between those kinds of solar panels and those new ones that are coming out that look clear and like glass that you'd use on an office building? The new types of panels are more so not an advancement of the technology or anything that hasn't been proposed before, but the use case for them is there. Mm. So if you have a skyscraper or you have a glass building in general, it'd be great to capture that energy in the sun because there's very limited roof space. There's very limited parking space. So there are use cases for it with the clear glass that produces power. The cost is substantially higher, so you really have to weigh the need for it. So we've seen also with tile roofs that are solar, those costs are so high that mm -hmm. really it's not an economical use case. But for some people that want the aesthetic value of, mm -hmm. say, a tile roof or the aesthetic value of glass windows or the use case for them, and the technology is there, we can help out with that. But the majority of what people are doing is, is an economic use case. Out of the beauty and the need, I think you'll see more glass that is being used to capture energy on the side of buildings or in the windows. You mentioned that your focus is on the engineering side of things. Mm -hmm. Give us an example of how your firm, your company, approaches a new customer that comes in that is looking to solve a problem for their energy storage, for their energy usage. We'll give a homeowner as an example. Traditionally, homeowners use what's called net metering. 
And net metering has been around since about 1999 in California. And what is net metering? Net metering is it allows you to essentially use the utility company as a battery. Mm. When you're overproducing power, you're spinning the meter backwards, so to speak, and you're building credits. Right. Kind of like a cell phone, the rollover minutes, so to speak. So when you're producing too much, it carries on through the next month. If you're not producing enough, you use those credits that you store up. So when we design a traditional regular solar system and it's just net meter, then we just look at the energy production for a year and we size it. And when we design the energy production needs for that home or that business, we look at where the panels can go and we design a system that will produce the energy needed to eliminate that bill. But what we're seeing, what's happening now is net metering is changing. So the credits that you get are not dollar for dollar like they used to. Mm -hmm. We're under what's called net metering 2.0. So more people are interested in energy storage than ever. And Mm -hmm. cost of energy storage and energy management has come down. The incentives are there for it. And so now, instead of just designing a solar system to produce the energy that's consumed throughout the year, we're designing solar to meet the demand, to Mm. meet the loads, Mm. to, to make sure when the grid goes down that your refrigerator won't or that maybe your air conditioner will run. And so we design now solar based on loads. So that's that's a little more complicated, a little more advanced, and it mm-hmm. is the new way to do solar. It used to be the old way, off-grid solar systems. But right. now it's coming to where you can be on the grid or off the grid. Grid agnostic is what we call it. Okay. So you can do both now. That same philosophy and that same planning would also go into, for example, the farmer or the firm that has a lot of mechanics machinery and mechanics for the energy storage. The same philosophy applies, correct? Absolutely. So farmers are our favorite people to work with right now in cold storages and big industrial users. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we contact the utility and we get what's called interval data. Interval data tells us every 15 minutes what amount of power is being used. So we can graph that out. We can chart it out and appropriately size energy storage, the batteries, for instance, to meet the demands of the load based on the information that we know that is there. And then another thing is if we have a pump or a motor that uses a certain amount of energy, a certain amount of watts, we know exactly how much storage of power is needed in order to run that for a certain amount of time. So we get to know the business for the farm or the business owner. We try to figure out what their goals are and what their flexibilities are. And if, say, instead of pumping in the nighttime to avoid high rates, what if you could pump during the day? Or what if you don't have to restrict the pumping of your water based on the rate schedule, but you you have the freedom now. So we try to figure out if there are reasons that the pumps are running certain times and if there is some flexibility there to where the farmer can have the freedom to pump when they want and how they want, how long they want, not necessarily based on the rates that they're kind of pigeonholed in. In essence, you help them with their cost-benefit analysis. Yes, that would be a nice summary of it. (laughs) And as a CFO, I appreciate the the terminology. You summarized it perfectly. (laughs) Thank you. And if Visioneer Nation wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Our website is eigsolar.com. And most people across the state visit us there. Locally in Kern County, our number, our phone number is 661-868-9000. 
And how would they get in touch with you personally via email or by phone? We love social media. We love ah. LinkedIn. LinkedIn is great. And that's how we met. So, right, exactly. You right. know, and uh, business is, is done very well through LinkedIn and through communication. We have a network of experts in the area that are in the oil industry, the farming industry, the solar industry. We bring in some of the top people and engineers and experts from our area to coalesce around this topic of energy and energy independence. But social media is where we enjoy having conversations with the general public. So Facebook, our Facebook page, we're almost to a thousand likes. Please visit our Facebook page so we can monetize our Facebook page. Facebook will pay us and we will share information, funny things, maybe special offers for you on our Facebook page. Boy, that takes you back, doesn't it? With COVID-19 running amok, our businesses are dependent upon the internet now more than ever. And I'll bet you just found all the computer technical glitches you never knew you had. Good news for you. Kern County's number one rated computer repair service, Bakersfield Bytes, is here and online to take care of your Mac and PC needs. Need help configuring your video conference calls from being so glitchy? Having issues interfacing with your customers, clients, and employees online? Bakersfield Bytes' competent and knowledgeable staff is here to guide you through your hardware and software needs so you can have the interface your business deserves. Call Bakersfield Bytes at 661-496-5900 or visit them at bakersfieldbytes.com. That's Bakersfield, B-Y-T-E-S.com, 661-496-5900 or visit them at bakersfieldbytes.com. That's Bakersfield, B-Y-T-E-S.com. We're here with Les Mood, the co-founder, CFO, COO of Energy Independence Group, and we've been talking a lot about cost-benefit analysis and how to form the right product to service the needs of your business, whether it's a office type of business or it's an industrial complex or a farm or what have you. But we are in a very challenging period right now. Mm -hmm. And when you got into the business in 2007, what did the solar industry look like? In 2007, the price of solar was three to four times what it is now. Wow. And the rates from the utility companies were about a third. Wow. So it was a hard sell, <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially when the market slowed down in 2008. Right. But what solar looked like then wasn't much different than the way it looks now. The solar panels are more efficient, mm -hmm. the inverters are more advanced, and the energy management is more advanced. But the market for solar is a lot bigger, and, mm. and the majority of that has to do with financing. Ah, and how is that? So financing, that's what I went to school for. Mm -hmm. My first professor, first class said, Mr. Mood, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do renewable energy. I want to do wind and I want to do solar and I want to change the world, right? <laughs> he goes, you need to focus on finance because you got to figure out how to pay for that somehow. Right, right. Yeah. Especially if it's a quote unquote fad as yeah, it was at the time. Exactly. He said, the technology is there. It's great, but how are you going to pay for it? Right. And so I was like, aha, the light bulb went off, pun intended. And um, <laughs> from there, I, I realized that numbers and finance were the key to making energy and independence happen. To that end, what does economic maximization requires the internalization of normal norms mean? Yeah, so the internalization of moral and norms. And by the way, for mm -hmm. Vision Your Nation, I stole that off of his LinkedIn page mm -hmm. that we referred to earlier before, and I was intrigued by this thought. So please explain. Yeah, so I was fortunate at Cal State Bakersfield here to 
do several internships. One of those internships was to help Dr. Mark Evans and Dr. Stephen Gamboa write or do research on a new book, a new curriculum for business. The focus was that ethics is really the driving force behind success of mm. business mm -hmm. and ethical business and the internalization of those norms, those moral norms yields you the greatest economic efficiency. Ah. And that's a new, that was a new concept at the time. And so my job was to read dozens and dozens and dozens of textbooks. I had to get a computer to read it for me and summarize everything and digest it all. And we found that there was very little conversation around that topic. But in the process, I read a lot of philosophy books and all that kind of good stuff. And really, ever since, I've kind of internalized it myself. This is a concept that has been around for two, three thousand years. Now it's become, quote unquote, normalized in the business community. But how have you taken that into your company with your partner, Neil, and made that part of the fabric of your business? Neil and I have a conversation all the time, and we try to understand why is it that people are coming to us? Why are people intrigued by what we do, more so than our competition, so to speak? Mm -hmm. We've really had a hard time understanding that, but it dawned on me, not too recently, but it dawned on me recently. The reason is ethics, because mm. we do the right thing for our customers, and, and a lot of business owners do. A lot of business owners care about their customers, but we have made tough decisions and made the hard choices to help our customers in times when it may not involve us making a profit, may involve us foregoing a project because ethically we decided that it wasn't in the best interest of our client. So the more ethically you operate, the more you're going to have a support base of clients that are going to refer business to you. If you do your customer well, they'll do well for you. And what have you based this guidepost of ethics on? That's a good question. I think it's just community, doing what is good for your community. So if you make a decision and it's good for your community, then it's good for business. Mm, excellent. Taking a step back, I mentioned that you have a business partner. Mm -hmm. And how did you and your business partner meet? And how did you start this company? I was at a 30th birthday party. My good buddy, <laughs> Kanan, Kanan McDuffie, he's a drummer. Uh -huh. And another good buddy, Tim Soto, he said, hey, you guys need to meet. Hey, Neil, Neil, Les over here, he does solo. You guys should talk. So at the time, we were working at different companies. And Neil had just started working at a competitor. And I said, hey, you know, we have this new financing and you can drive one of these cool Priuses and, you know, you can work with me and we could, we could do this together. And all of a sudden we became good friends. And quickly after he started working at the same company, Pure Energy with me, we went from being encouraged to be competition and, hey, he's selling more than you. You're selling more than him. And we're like, no, we're team. And so we started running appointments together and really having a good time. We really provide a really dynamic approach to our customers. He's very outgoing and very charming. He has a really good reputation in the community. He's been here a long time. He grew up here. Myself, I connect with the engineering types and then the math types and maybe a little philosophy types, you know. <laughs> but Neil and I, we, we, we have different skills and communication abilities and, and different areas that we connect with people. And so we really ourselves connected early on and realized that we were stronger together as business partners. Is that part of the reason why even when the economy was doing really well, there was a lot of solar companies that folded? Yes. And mm -hmm. is that part of the reason why you guys have been able to sustain and keep a certain level of success 
through all this and even now that the economy is having challenges? Absolutely. I, I view ourselves as solar ninjas back to back. We can slay and deal with any situation, you know, <laughs> um, if we need to. And then when one of us is sleeping, one of us is awake. When one's away, one is there. And so the timing and the availability and the ability to run a business is is easier when you have a partner that is always there with you and for you. And when one of us is sick or when one of us needs to go on vacation or one of us is uh, resting, mm -hmm. the other one is working. We do really well to keep each other motivated and as well to be there when times are tough. So Neil got sick and I, I got sick at different points in time and he held the fort down and I held the fort down. So it works out to where when you have a good partner that you can trust, that you have love and respect for, mm -hmm. you're going to be a lot better off and, and you're going to survive a lot easier. And it also is driven by the ethics that we have, the ethics to do the right thing. We balance each other out really well. We talk a lot. We haven't been, we've been so busy lately, we don't do as much talking and that's not as much fun, but <laughs> it is nice that the success we're having is the result of a lot of talking and dreaming and ideas that we've had. So we've kind of moved from dream stage to doing stage and right. we're implementing a lot of new things. And we'll look forward to when this whole thing slows down with the COVID-19 and we can get back and, and hang out again and not be sheltered up. But we're, we're good friends. And that's one of the things that really makes our business work well. We've had numerous guests on this podcast that have raved that you've got to have a business partner, business like yourselves. I've had very positive experiences having a business partner. And we've also had guests on this podcast where they say the last thing you want to do is have a business partner. Mm -hmm. When you and your partner were introduced to each other, what was the process like to determine whether or not this, a partnership would actually work? Our partnership began before the business. Ah, we kind of got to test the water, so to speak. It's kind of like kissing the girl before you marry her, ah. you know, or being friends with a guy before you get in business. Mm -hmm. And we faced all odds at the time in competition. We were in a growing, expanding market that had very few expertise and, and very limited financing. And we overcame that challenge as a team in a situation where we were being encouraged to be internal competition, you mm. know, the, the sales the sales game where you're pitted against each other by your boss. Ah. Well, we didn't feel that was uh, necessary. And so to go into the moment where it happened and we decided to be business owners was we were driving to McFarland and it was a, a long day, a third appointment at the time we were very busy. We were growing so fast at the company that we were working for that the growth was too much for mm. the company. Things were getting behind and at the time the competition was also at the heels. But Neil and I decided that for us to provide the best service and the best product and the best opportunity for our clients that we would best be able to do it as a team. So we called up Neil's dad. He was at the time a Delano recycling owner. We stopped in, we ate at a nice Mexican restaurant in Delano. And he said, yeah, you guys should start a business because we wanted to see what he thought. And he said, you know what? You guys can do that. I know you guys can do it. And we did. Elevate you and your company to more than 4,000 small business owners and leaders for free. 
Screenshot your five-star iTunes review and email to sbc at smallbusinesscelebration.com with your name and your business's name. If you do that, Small Business Celebration will post your screenshot on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, introducing you and your company to more than 4,000 small business owners and leaders for free. That's 4,000 small business owners and leaders you'll reach for one minute's work for free. Screenshot your five-star iTunes review and email it to sbc at smallbusinesscelebration.com with your name and your business's name. Elevate you and your company to more than 4,000 small business owners and leaders for free today. We're here with Les Mood, the co-founder, CFO, and COO of Energy Independence Group. And one of the things that I've learned about you is you are a big race car fan. <laughs> and you do a lot or have been to a lot of races at the Kern County Raceway. Mm-hmm. Why do you enjoy stock car racing and car racing in general a lot? Oh, you're going to make me tear up. <laughs> <laughs> my my father was a race car driver. Uh-huh. My brother and I, Charlie, we actually fixed up a race car with our dad, but mostly my brother, Charlie, he, uh-huh. he was the mechanic of the two of us. I played a lot of tennis and I had a girlfriend at the time. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but yeah, Charlie and I really respected our dad and his pursuit at the end of his life to be a race car driver again, like he was at his young age. Mm. So he fixed up a race car, an old Oldsmobile. We beefed up the motor. Charlie did <laughs> you know, with my dad. So we got to see our dad go for his dreams and go after that passion towards the end of his life. Mm. And ever since then, I've, I've had an appreciation for race car drivers. I know it's a tough sport. I know it's an expensive one. Mm-hmm. It's a passion. A lot of wives lose a lot of time with their husbands who are <laughs> out in the garage <laughs> fixing these things up. But it's more than just a hobby. It, it brings people together. It brings families together. And it brings the community together. And it's, it's really good and fun. But yeah, racing is kind of in the blood. The other thing that racing does is on any race car team... There is one driver, mm-hmm. unless you're doing Le Mans or something like that where there are multiple drivers. But at car racing, and typically there is one driver. But if you don't have a support staff and you don't have a pit crew mm-hmm. and you don't have everybody else that's the, su- the support of that driver, it doesn't matter how good the car is, you're not going to win. Right, right. How has that concept gone and become a part of your business? There's only one driver. As you indicated, it takes a team. It takes a village, really, for a race car to run right. Right. And I have two two brothers, David and Raymond. Raymond is a race car driver. He's got a really nice uh, 66 Chevy. <laughs> and Paul, I think, no, well, anyway, he, he'd kill me if I didn't know <laughs> the, the kind of car he drives. But... But anyway, he's he's a good example. And, and my brother David is not the driver, but he supports him. So they'll be working on it, tinkering on it, talking about it. And then during the race, we have a whole family of people cheering him on and encouraging him, you know. It requires a lot of focus for a race car driver, especially a circle track driver, to be able to maintain and to be at the top or to survive and to overcome a certain situation. And then you also have to take advantage of opportunities to pass somebody up and, and to get ahead. The family and the crew and the people behind the race driver are what really encourages the leader of that car at the time to sustain and just to remain focused and allows that leader or that driver to stay focused knowing that there's a crew there that's going to keep him safe and to keep him motivated and to keep him going and to get ahead. 
Part of auto racing also is there's more than one race in a season. Mm-hmm. And the evolution of the car, of the engine, of the dynamics, of the skills of the driver also evolve over the course of the season. You learn what works and what doesn't work, and mm-hmm. maybe you need to change this or that or, or what have you. That is also the same thing in business as well. How have you taken the lessons from race car driving in adaptability and applied it to Energy Independence Group? Well, you know, sometimes your tires are kind of low on tread, right? <laughs> right. So when you're when you got low tires on tread, you got to take it a little easy. And then when you got good tread on the tire, you don't want to burn through it, you mm. know? So you got to be careful and cautious all the time. You got to use what what you have. And you got to get by and limp by when you need to. And when you're strong and you're doing well and your engine is running good, mm-hmm. you got to make sure that you keep it that way and you don't push it to the limit. So don't push it to the limit and use what you can while you have it. Also part of this is that you not everything has been easy. And racing is not easy. It's mm-hmm. a fierce competition. Nobody wants to come in second. Oh, yeah. Business is also the same way, and you and your partner both were competitors and competing against each other, and then you've turned around and now joined forces, but not all of this has been a cakewalk. Mm -hmm. Not all of this has been the checkered flag with every race. What has happened along the evolution of your business that impacts the way that you make decisions today? One of the challenges that Neil and I faced had to do with our health. Mm. Neil had valley fever. He still is a victim of valley fever. And I had gallbladder disease. Those things kind of happened around the same time. Wow. We still raced the car, so to speak. We still had the challenge of keeping the business running and for our customers to remain happy. We survived that. It was very tough to survive illnesses and challenges with our health. But we did, and we did it by sticking together and holding the fort down, so to speak. And how did this lesson affect the decisions that you make for everybody else in your business? This tough situation with health really brought us together. And the the employees of our business, through the love and respect that they have for Neil and I, really stepped up and helped us survive in in terms of maybe working a little harder, maybe Mm -hmm. helping us and learning some of the things that we do that they hadn't previously done. So the decision was that we needed to really enable and empower our employees to know more than just one thing. Uh, We empowered our employees and we've educated them and provided them with the tools that Neil and I have had access to and knowledge of prior to these events happening. We've shared our knowledge, we've shared our experiences, our tools and our processes with our employees so that when we're gone or if we are, if we one day we'll be gone, that this will continue, our business will stay alive and our employees and our customers will still be happy. Part of this evolution of empowerment and sharing knowledge comes from educating yourself. Mm -hmm. And one of the things in my research that I thought was rather interesting is that you like the writers George Orwell and Ron Paul, two Mm -hmm. people who could not Mm -hmm. be more diametrically opposed to each other. Mm -hmm. But 
there's also a certain commonality between the two. And why do you appreciate those two authors a lot? I appreciate George Orwell for warning us of the dystopian world that we could be in one day. Should mm-hmm. we allow the independence of the individual to be held by the government? So independence of the individual and the survival of society really revolves around freedom mm-hmm. and a lack of tyranny. And that tyranny is low. It was a warning to us in uh, 1984. The reason I appreciate Ron Paul is because outside of the warning, Ron Paul, he writes, and others like him write about liberty and freedom and how that can empower the individual and is really the basis for American values and the American dream is based on freedom and liberty and the individual and property rights. And so property rights, the individual freedom and liberty really is what drives me and and what makes solar power so powerful for homeowners and businesses because it's your property, it's your energy, it's your life. So you should be empowered and you should have that independence because independence and the American dream relies on individuals, not top down. It's, It's from you moving forward. So the warning came from George Orwell and the roadmap for freedom. Ron Paul's a man. But there's also been a change. There's been a tipping point. Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, you have enjoyed the book by Malcolm Gladwell called Mm -hmm. The Tipping Point. And you're not the first guest on this podcast who has brought this book up. Mm -hmm. Why is this book so significant to the way you're looking at your business now? Well, it's been interesting because we've seen it happen. I read the book on the way to Switzerland, and I picked it up at a German airport, and I read it from front cover to back cover. It's the first time I've really been intrigued to read a book all the way through, and it just it really captured my attention. And what I noticed in the description of how things happen is that you have multiple people involved in making something happen. Mm -hmm. And there are different personalities that make things happen. When we run our business and we work with the community and we have ideas, we see that those ideas are sold by people. There are connections between people that are there that make, that facilitate things from happening. So you have the maven, you have the connector, and you have the salesperson. And I've seen all of these things happen. I kind of consider myself a maven. Neil is like a salesperson <laughs> and a connector, you right, know, but right. between myself and other people like Tim Soto and some people that are in our business, marketing people and people that help us and, and like you that are in the community that, that work together, we see that things are happening. Big things are happening in the solar industry even before the COVID-19 happened, even before the power outages started happening. But it really takes an idea and it takes the salespeople and it takes the connectors to make those things happen. And we're at many tipping points in society right now that we can see in front of us. As the business grows and continues, we're, like you mentioned, we're right in the middle of this COVID-19 issue. And what is the outlook that you have for your business in the solar industry going forward? It's very sunny. Yeah. Yeah. Pun intended. Bumped. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're excited not just because we see the interest in solar and energy storage peaking. Mm-hmm. We're interested because this is kind of like the tipping point where people are, are waking up. The ideas are there, the technology is there, the reliability is there, the power is there. 
But there's these things sometimes that happen that really push people over the edge and you reach a boiling point, tipping point, turning point. And this is really kind of a wake-up call for people to be prepared, not to be preppers in the mountains, but to be prepared for a power outage or to be prepared for the need to keep your refrigerator on. Little things like that are enabled by solar power and energy storage. Another good example, my wife is a teacher, an online teacher, so she teaches kids through the computer. And more than ever, the need for that is there. A lot of parents are home with their kids now, and and they're wondering, what are they going to do to make sure their kids are still learning? Well, leaders like my wife who are doing online education are going to see a huge surge and an interest in that sort of way of doing things. And so the same thing applies for solar. The interest and the need and the justification for savings and, and using the money that you're already spending to have something to show, to have an asset that doesn't just improve your hot property value, save you money, but it provides safety for you, your family, and your business. And so the interest in safety and the interest in sustainability has never been greater. And I think that's a good thing that's happening from all of this. And I think there's a lot of good things that are happening. And people are waking up to some of the positive things they can do to improve their life, to be more sustainable, and to be prepared. What is one thing that Vision Your Nation could do today to grow a strong, profitable, and positive business? Being independent is very valuable. The more your business is able to survive moments like this, the better. And independence is really a philosophy. With independence being the focus, energy for me is is one of the greatest ways that someone can help their business be sustainable and profitable and weather any storm. So for instance, if you know your energy cost is, if say you're a farmer and the grid goes down, if you, you you still have clients, you still have a market for the crop, but what if the crop dies because the pump shut off? So I, I encourage everyone to consider energy independence, and that is a very clear way for you to take steps to be more independent. But in general, just focus on independence. I think that will resonate with some people and help you understand. Just think about what you can do for your business that would rely not on other other businesses or rely on, say, government funding. If you don't need to do it, don't do it. If it's something that enhances the independence and the sustainability of your business, go ahead and do that. Independence is, I think, the key for businesses to be focused on. Plus, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for being on the Small Business Celebration Podcast. You've given us a lot of great information, and especially on how to grow a strong and independent business. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been my pleasure. Boy, that takes you back, doesn't it? With COVID-19 running amok, our businesses are dependent upon the internet now more than ever. And I'll bet you just found all the computer technical glitches you never knew you had. Good news for you, Kern County's number one rated computer repair service, Bakersfield Bytes, is here and online to take care of your Mac and PC needs. Need help configuring your video conference calls from being so glitchy? Having issues interfacing with your customers, clients, and employees online? Bakersfield Bytes' competent and knowledgeable staff is here to guide you through your hardware and software needs so you can have the interface your business deserves. Call Bakersfield Bytes at 661-496-5900 or visit them at bakersfieldbytes.com. That's Bakersfield, B-Y-T-E-S dot com. 661-496-5900 or visit them at bakersfieldbytes.com. That's Bakersfield, B-Y-T-E-S who is a visioneer? 
A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.